And good afternoon, Chuck Morse, live here at Left Right Radio, every afternoon at 12 noon, and of course, archived at YouTube and other networks. My guest is Don Jans. He's the author of My Grandchildren's America. Uh, Don, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Chuck. Don, you've been uh, in, you've been toiling in the vineyards of conservative politics for quite a while. You've been sounding the alarm with regard to the rise of the left, particularly among our culture, uh, and the usual targets being millennials, minorities, people who you know anyone they can get who's vulnerable to the 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 message, the siren song of the left. Uh, but you want to talk a little bit about an international issue and that is the uh, election this last week in Venezuela. What's uh, and the, the election of Maduro? What do you what do you have on that? Well, what we have, Chuck, is is if we recall, the the um, Chavez came in and and several years ago and told the Venezuela people that we need hope and change, that we need Absolutely. we need yes it does that we need to fundamentally transform our society, right. And what he did communist maxims, in other words. Absolutely, it was no different. It was no different from what we've heard, from what we had heard, or what we read about back in the um, uh, early twenties um, uh, uh, in in the, in the in Russia, later to be the Soviet Union. What we heard in the Soviet bloc as they developed, and what we heard after the Second World War, that 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 you people need help from the government. The government is here to save you and we will take care of you and we will punish those mean, cruel capitalists who do nothing but provide jobs, who do nothing but drive the economy. They're getting rich. And, and this is what Chavez said. And Chavez comes in. And, and of course, if we recall when he became when he came into the government, um, uh, uh, he was he was revered by so many here in the United States. And later on, we were told by many in the um, Obama regime what a great, great person he was and how his how his economic system was working and how we should be looking at it. And his communication system was the best that there ever was. So we go along and we die. And now we have this forced election uh, that, that Maduro came up and, and, and literally forced by his, by his, um, uh, through his handpicked um, uh, parliament. And we learn that so many things, Chuck, that are taking place or that took place in this election are really things that are taking place in the United States and that were implemented under the Obama regime. Such as? Well, when we take a look at it, we, if we recall, we have, we have people being the, 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 uh, the um, uh, campaigns of opponents uh, we have been have been um, uh, uh, the, the opponents have just been ostracized and have actually been jailed. We've seen infiltration on opponents' campaigns. Mm, that's interesting, it, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, in light of what's going on right now, at least allegedly. Absolutely. Uh, just, to, just in case people miss the news, um, there's been now, and by the New York Times of all places, have acknowledged in a pretty lengthy article that there was at least two or three, if not more, FBI agents that had infiltrated the Trump campaign. They were spying on Trump. Now, they don't call it that. They call it investigating. But uh, they call this, um, they actually had a name for it. It's uh, 
Operation Crossfire Hurricane is from a lyric in a Rolling Stones song. Um, and they were, you know, I think we need to understand that when, when you talk about spying on the campaign, it works in the same way that the old Soviet Union spied on America, on, on the Roosevelt administration, by getting people planted on the inside. And that is that it's more than just a matter of spilling the beans to people outside about what they're planning on doing and, and their policy. It, it involves influencing the campaign on the inside in such a way that's going to damage the campaign, trying to entrap people into saying certain things. This is how they got that guy, Papadopoulos. I mean, he was drunk at a bar in Brussels and they got him to say certain things. You know, and, and this is now this, this British double agent guy who worked for the FBI has, has basically boasted about this. And this is covered by the New York Times. This isn't some, you know, right-wing um, conspiracy theory here. And, and the idea is to... To get, you know, they, they, you know, this is what struck the FBI agent struck and his paramour uh, page, both FBI employees were emailing each other about when they made reference to getting an insurance policy against Trump. You know, the idea that they would create this narrative that somehow Trump is in collusion with Russia and they'd get people to say things. Oh, what would you think if Russia helped release emails or whatever it is? And they get people on record so they could later on indict them and put them under the in a pressure cooker to get them to testify. And that's exactly what, of course, they got Mueller doing. So, you know, th this is the kind of stuff that, that, that they do in communist countries. This is like, you know, Gestapo type stuff. It, it should be troubling to to all Americans left, right or center. And I know people might be blinded by this absolutely irrational and I would argue demented hatred for Trump, that they, they refuse to see this objectively. But the fact of the matter is that to let something like this happen, it's going to happen to you when you eventually get elected, if you ever do. It's going to happen. It can happen to you in your own private life, in your business. You're going to have people starting to infiltrate in and, and, and spill the beans to your competitors. You know, we're not supposed to have this in this country. I worked for a company a while back where they made me sign an agreement as part of my employment. And I think a lot of companies do this where I agreed not to discuss anything going on in the company outside the company. And that's standard. You know, it's, it's a basic loyalty. You know, you work for someone, you have to be on the team and not, you know, you have to agree not to go outside and, and not to work for someone else after you leave for a certain period of time and not to share proprietary information. Well, well, if we allow this to happen and we allow a campaign to be spied on like this and meddled with and tampered with on the inside with information shared, and we just call that an investigation, then we're heading down a very, very dangerous path in this country. Anyway, Don, so sorry to rant here. No, we're, we're heading down the road to tyranny. Yes. And when we look, when we look at one of the basic differences between a free country and between a tyrannical country, one of the very big, obviously freedom of speech and, and, and the Marxist progressives, the Democrats have been attacking our freedom of speech forever, but free elections are critical. Free elections are very, very, very important. And the non-politicization of our law enforcement. When we, when we politicize our law enforcement, we have nothing less than the KGB. We have nothing less That's right. than 
a, 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 a tyrannical government dictating. And Chuck, I, and I know you have something to say here, but I want to go on to one other thing. We Please. see this. We see this in the Miller investigation. We see it. We see it in 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 every communist country. We see it in 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 uh, Madero's Venezuela, and that is, we have we we have this idea of 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 uh, people. People say they're innocent until they're proven guilty. Well, that's a falsehood. Either you're innocent or you're not. Either you committed the crime or you did not. It has nothing to do with your innocence, but what it has to do, and this is critical, it has to do with who has the burden of proof. In a tyrannical country, the burden of proof always lies on the defendant. You are assumed to be guilty, and now I have to prove I am not guilty. And that's and that's very difficult when 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 you're in a tyrannical country. This is all Miller is doing right now. Miller is saying, Trump, you are guilty. You must prove to me. I don't know of what you're guilty, but you're guilty of something. And now you have to oh, prove yeah. to me that you're not. And we've turned this totally around. And we we are we are very, very similar to a Venezuela. Uh, yeah. And obviously, the uh, the, the maybe the uh, tipping point for. Americans into seeing the the dangers here is that Mueller has stooped to having his good friends at the Southern District of New York raiding President Trump's personal lawyer's office so they can find out about an affair he had with some hooker 10 years ago. You know, something that has nothing to do with anything. It's nobody's damn business. And, you know, it's gotten that ugly, you know, that they're really like going in for destruction. They're going in. Now it's come out that they have these same agents have smeared and attacked and used information to discredit members of President Trump's personal family, members of his cabinet. You know, and, and, and this is by a policing agency, as you say. It's what is not, you know, the FBI, the Department of Justice, these are agencies that are supposed to be above and beyond politics. Now, the Department of Justice, I would argue, has been always a somewhat political. I mean, President Kennedy had his own brother as, as attorney general. You know, that's political. But the FBI has been very separate and has tended to focus on, on police work and investigation to help local police break crimes and to, you know, and, and to conduct investigations without that kind of partisan aspect to it. And that's gone out the window now. First, with, with the po political appointment of Mueller himself, and then with his protege, Comey. I mean, these guys are not FBI agents, they're lawyers, they're political hacks, they're, they're part of a political party. And it's coming out now that they, as a result, they downpedaled the, the criminal investigation against Hillary Clinton, and they ramped up a phony investigation against Trump, all for political reasons, because they wanted to help one person and hurt another. And, you know, again, that's that's not supposed to, it's not supposed to be a political process. So that should trouble people who claim to care about civil liberties, but it doesn't seem to. It doesn't. It doesn't. I read an, uh, a comment on Facebook from a person I know who is to the left, but but is 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 I would not I would not call that person a a Marxist. I don't think they really understand the difference. Well, some of them actually still have a few shreds of conscience. We, but but there's but but she certainly is a useful idiot, and she right. used this comparison, and this comparison really really uh, bothered me, and said this is really how dangerous 
how dangerous this has become. She said that Miller has, has indicted 19 people. Uh, and nobody was indicted it from the, from the um, uh, uh, Clinton campaign. And nobody was indicted uh, from the Obama admin, uh, from the Obama regime, which is is it really proves the point yes. that we have become a totally political policing state. When you go through and you open facts as to what Hillary Clinton did while Secretary of State and what was done after, and you don't have any indictments at all for 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 obstruction of justice by demolishing her her um, uh, computer or that you don't have any indictment at all for her revealing secrets and not keeping and not keeping um, confidential information private chuck then you have a totally politicized fbi Oh, it's obviously 100% lopsided. There's been no indictments. They're supposed to be looking into Russian meddling in the election, and yet they're only looking at Trump. They haven't talked about Hillary, not to mention Bernie Sanders or or um, Jill Stein or anyone else, and whether or not they had dealings with the Russians. They haven't looked at, at Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State, with the uranium deal. Not that's something that's been covered by the New York Times. And by the way, that was signed off on by, at the time, FBI Director Mueller. So he's he's got his hands dirty on that one. I mean, how can he investigate that? Shouldn't he recuse himself? I mean, in a sense, if he's already a part of the, the very issue that um, you would hope they would investigate. So, you know, it's obviously a political, this is, President Trump is absolutely right. It is nothing more than a political witch hunt. They hope to drag it out until the midterm election so that uh, the Democrats can get into power and then they can impeach Trump. I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's exactly what it comes down to. And what we have, what we have, and, and I wrote about it in my book, um, Road to Tyranny. One of the key differences that our founders said we will be is we are not going to have a king. We're not going to have uh, an emperor. We're not going to have a czar running our government where they make the rules and they adjust the rules as they wish to accomplish whatever they wish to accomplish. So I can say, okay, here's here's a law uh, today, but it didn't work quite the way I wanted it, so I'm going to change it, and tomorrow we're going to have just a little bit different. And this law is going to apply to you, Chuck, but it's not going to apply to Don. Uh, why? Because that's just what I've decided to do. That's mm -hmm. arbitrary law. That means the law has no meaning whatsoever. It's only there to fulfill a goal of he who is in power. That's what we're under today. Our founders said, no, 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 guys. This isn't the way it's going to work because that always, always, always leads to tyranny. Always. It is a sure way to get down that road to tyranny. We're going to have rule of law. And rule of law simply means this, that we write a law and then we interpret that law as it's written. We don't interpret it as if it were a living law to mean whatever we want at, the, at, at whatever time we want it to mean, such as um, uh, uh, what, what, does, what does it mean to violate the rule on, on secret, um, secret government information? It, 
if, if it says intent has no has no meaning within this law, then we can't say, oh, she in fact didn't mean to do it. The law says, no, no, we don't pay attention to intent. Did they or did they not violate the law? That's right. The other thing that comes up here is that our founders said we have to be under rule of law. And that's the Constitution is the end all to that rule of law. That is our king. If we will note, if we will note in our constitution, if you will grab a constitution sometime, your 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 listeners, and you look and you see where we started, it says we the people. And if you will notice in we the people, it's in those, it's in the big, big um uh font, and and they wrote it in big and in in a fancy in a fancy uh, font, and all that means is that that's how the kings would do it. That's how the emperors would start their documents. That's, that's how the, 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 the ruler started their document. And now we say, this is where we're going to start our constitution. That is our king. And we have violated that time after time. And now our FBI is saying we're going to make a mockery, an absolute mockery out of justice. And we're going to change the whole meaning of that. Chuck, this is what Maduro has done. This is how Maduro ran his campaign. And Mm. it's very, very similar to the way the Obama administration, the Obama regime, wanted to run the campaign between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Yeah, and they must must be studying that now. I mean, (laughs) you know, to get... To find out how to how to move forward, but yeah, in this country, you know, the left strategy going back to the days of Woodrow Wilson, I would argue, has not been necessarily to install a king outright who would arbitrarily make laws in the formal sense. It has been more to transfer power from elected officials in Congress and in government, state governments, who are restricted by constitutions to uh, informal bureaucracies where they actually write laws and make laws uh, on the domestic level, on the international level, you know, the, whether it be the United Nations, whether it be other of these uh, quasi-public agencies, um, or whether they actually have agencies that take on sovereign powers that can exist outside of congressional oversight. And there's a lot of that, and it's been a trend that's been going on in this country really from the uh, Wilson era right up till today. And Barack Obama very explicitly praised this in a um, an interview he did with NPR when he was still just a state uh, re- representative. And he said, we want to, you know, the best way to change the constitution is to ignore it and to rule by administrative fiat. They have administrative rulers. Now, you know, this is when they, what they talk about when they mention it, quote, living constitution, and they support judges who are going to make it up as they go. They don't have to be bound by of laws. I mean, we're, we're not a nation of laws. We become a nation of men and women who decide arbitrarily which favors them. And uh, the laws are written by them and for them. I mean, a glaring example was during the Obama administration, you had the lowest learner scandal at the IRS. You know, they passed laws actually around the time of Wilson when they established, you know, the the, uh, the the direct taxation, which is a whole subject, they put in place a means by which companies can have nonprofit status, they can get tax exemptions, 
They can get special protections. And they set up these enormous foundations, these very liberal foundations, mainly from the wealth of, of the people like the Rockefellers and the Carnegies that would be run by liberals and that would be used to change, transform this, the nation into a more liberal authoritarian direction without government oversight. They, you know, plus they gave themselves big fat salaries. That's another subject. But the point is that starting in the 1910s, starting in the, in the 2000s, really under George W. Bush, conservatives started to wake up and say, hey, we should do this. We could set up these same nonprofits. We can set up foundations. We can set up, you know, uh, you know, organizations that would influence the culture. And then, of course, they were met by Lois Lerner, who said, no, no, this isn't for you. This is for us. You don't get to do this. And that's what that whole scandal was all about. So, you know, it gets into this rule by fiat as the left continues to goose step through this through the culture, as as Antonio Gramsci said, a long march through the culture, the Italian communist, and and to knock knock down opposition. So then here comes Donald Trump, who is not supposed to win, who would have won bigger if he hadn't had this hate campaign against him. And they are literally, openly and brazenly trying to take him down. So you have people who posed as libertarians in the past. Suddenly they're on board with this and they thought we have to do it for the good of the country. And we can't have this. We can't have the uh, this movement back to a, a more modest constitutionally based system. We, we, when we're looking at this, it's very, very, very interesting that you, and you bring this up. What, what we have learned under, especially the Obama administration, it wasn't so, it wasn't so overtly practiced. I don't recall under other administrations, but under the Obama administration, it was, it was overtly practiced that it is okay. In fact, you must go to Congress when you're testifying and if it will jeopardize our movement in any way, you lie. You commit perjury. I don't care if you're doing it under the oath or not. And we saw this. We saw this. We saw it with the IRS people that came before the the, um, the congressional committees. We saw it with with the Justice Department with with um, Holder and, and and his people. Oh yeah, man, he was censured for that. And Lerner was allowed to plead the fifth. I think it was forty times. Yes. And then yes. she retires with a big fat pension. No yep. penalty. None. Not not even not even brought not even be brought before a grand jury. Yeah, I think that's why they were squealing with rage when the cave had his pension taken away. That was like a shock. How could that happen? I mean, we used to basically being let go and we kind of go off to our cushy retirement. It's a message that, you know, yes, you might have to sacrifice by doing the wrong thing, but we'll take care of you. Yeah. Well, and then look at Clapper. Oh my God! Yeah, look at Clapper. Now, I Clapper, mean, Clapper's a proven liar. Not only that, but now he's actually openly boasting. Um, according to, uh, I saw a link today in the Drudge Report that he's saying, "Yes, we had people looking at the Trump campaign. Great, you know, it's like he thinks this is. I mean, you know, he's actually at least in that sense, he's being honest." That's right. That's right. <laughs> which, which, and so all of it, remember, if you'll go back and if you will recall the days of, of uh, the summer of the campaign 
and we were talking about uh, about the Russians' in, involvement in the campaign, and we kept hearing this 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 statement: seventeen, seventeen of our of our uh, different agencies, law enforcement agencies, absolutely state that Russia was a part of the or colluded with with the campaigns to affect the election. But right. who who were these people that were pushing that? Clapper and Brenner. What were they using? They were using a dossier that was funded by the FBI and that was funded by the um, uh, Hillary campaign for the sole purpose of using it as an indictment against Trump. And so you had you had liars saying that absolutely there was collusion and you had them collaborating on a writing a novel and using that novel as the source for fact. And, and so this, this is nothing less than what we see in these different um, uh, communist countries. This is exactly what we see in communist countries. And we talk about, oh, they're socialists. Well, socialism always leads to communism. Chuck, have you ever it seen is, a point yeah. in time where it hasn't? It, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the dialectical step toward it. Absolutely. National socialism or international socialism. It's all this march toward this great and glorious world where we become one world and a one world ant colony. Yeah. Um, the, um, the midterm elections are coming up and I've noticed this. I'm old enough to remember uh, midterms every two years going all the way back to the seventies. And they always come up with a couple of big, big lies that they promote and they hammer them away incessantly. You never hear the end of it. In, 2000, in 2012, against Mitt Romney, it was the war against women. Um, it was, you know, and it was also that he's rich. This is a bad thing. I mean, on this very program, I had um, Alan Lichman, a very renowned historian, tell me that Trump, he wrote a book about why Trump should be impeached. And his, one of his reasons was because he has a war against women. I'm like, really? I mean, that's, I mean, it shows how you know ideological they are, but but the point is that the big lie right now is there, there are two that I'm hearing, and my I get my information primarily from listening to Sirius XM progressive radio. I don't know if you listen to that, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a good barometer of what the left is doing because they're very blatantly openly left, and they kind of float these things, and you can get a sense of what's maybe going on more subtly in the mainstream left. And people like Stephanie Miller, um, Michelangelo Signorelli, Dino Badala, and also in, on Urban View, I like to listen to Joe Madison, who, by the way, is a very good talk show host. He's a brilliant guy. I don't agree with him on anything, but tremendous tremendous talent as a host. But the, the mantra is, the two mantras I'm hearing are that the American people don't care about the tax cut that was signed by President Trump because of some nebulous poll that they cite. They don't mention the name of the poll. They don't mention the question that was asked. We don't know if it exists, but this is the mantra. Polls indicate, something indicates that the American people don't care about the tax cut, okay? The second one is the more insidious one, and this is, of course, the one that they use every two years against any one who doesn't genuflect to the left. And that is that not only is pres does President Trump have something against black men and women 
and something against other minorities and gay people and women, um, but that all of his followers do as well, except they've pulled a, a really ugly card out of that. And they're saying that the entire Trump campaign and movement is a reaction by white people, particularly white men, against the increase in population in this country of non-white people. In other words, we're all racist and we're all afraid of losing white privilege. So we're voting for Trump. That's the mantra. And it's a very insidious one because, first of all, it, it, it totally throws out the window the fact that increase, and this is what they're trying to stop, increasing numbers of minorities are becoming conservatives and are supporting Trump. Mm-hmm. If they want to look at a real poll, they can look at several that indicate that Trump's approval rating, particularly in the African-American community, has not only gone up, but it's gone up significantly among black men. I think it's like 18, 19 percent. That's, that's unheard of. Yeah, that's two out of every 10. I mean, that's huge. I yep. mean, if you can sustain that, then that's that's revolutionary. So they're going absolutely berserk. I mean, their heads are exploding over this. So they're coming up with all these cockamamie racist conspiracy theories to not only throw at us by smearing us in the ugliest way, but by by warding off any attempt by by people who who are not white, you know, to to possibly consider leaving their their plantation. So these are the two theories. Um, I just want to also comment that um, the the business of Trump himself, President Trump, as having something against minorities, that is based upon various comments that President Trump has made, many of them insulting and offensive for, for sure. But the majority of them, he said in private, he said, and guess what? How do we know about them? Because there are spies in the White House. That's how. Yes. There are people in the White House who are uh, leaking this information to the, the, the ravenous jackals in the media who then run with it and then pound it away day after day, hour after hour. And that that didn't happen in other White Houses. I mean, I've heard stories from people I've interviewed over the years, so particularly Buzz Patterson. He's a former um, Secret Service guy in the Clinton White House who has said, and he was completely you know, trashed by the media, that, that the conversation in the Clinton White House and the Clinton family was so vile and so racist and so offensive that it was unbelievable, but they were protected. They were protected. You could look, we could go back to Kennedy. We could go back to Truman. I mean, these guys had, it would love to, to, to engage in very ribald conversation and nasty references to people and race comments. But, you know, it's all like kept in house because they're on the right side. Only President Trump is held up like this. And now they can make this pitch. And I've heard this. This was even said yesterday during commencement exercises by various speakers, including John Lewis, who spoke here at BU, where I am in Boston, that we're entering into an age of incivility and, and, and nastiness. And, and they all, we all know what that means, of course. You know, we all know who he's talking about. Absolutely. Right? This is cruel and uncivil. And it's so destructive to, to honest discourse to, to do that. And I guess that the, the lesson for President Trump, unfortunately, and his family is that they have to just watch everything they say, including even in their own bedrooms. They have to watch every utterance now. 
because everything they say is going to be put under a microscope and magnified. This isn't a normal time. This is a time when people are being hounded and prosecuted for their political beliefs. And they're going to try to find the, the any shred they can on it, and they're going to get hanged with that. So in these ugly times, my, you just have to watch. The, as they said in Roman times, you know, there were, there were the rabbis in in in, uh, in ancient Judea when the Romans would would come out and and uh, put people, you know, crucify people for studying the Torah, right? I mean, during the time of Hadrian, they always said the walls have ears. The walls have ears. We have to be careful. They had to change even some of their basic prayers so the Romans wouldn't know they were praying. And that's what we're looking at in a way right now as conservatives, because anything we say is going to be rung up the flagpole, it's going to be misinterpreted, or heaven forbid we say something insulting, that's going to hang, we're going to be hung by that. It'll be etched onto our tombstones. So we have to be careful. Anyway, Don. One of the things that Lenin absolutely said was critical in order for the United States to be fundamentally transformed into a, um, um, into a communist state, Marxist state, was that you have to gain control of the media. And through the Communist International, Lenin made a concerted effort to start to control the media and to indoctrinate them in the ways of communism and socialism. And that indoctrination has really taken place. And it's a part of most journalistic schools today. So that our press is, a, is an absolute useful idiot of the communist movement. Now, why do I mention this? I mention this because when, you, when, when we have somebody call MS-13 people animals, that is a compliment. They are less than animals. Animals treat course, each other. They're more brutal than ISIS. I mean, they're talking about, by the way, if I could just, I'll just be brief yeah. here. Yeah. You know, talk about fake news. The, the New York Times did a piece saying that um, President Trump is separating children from their parents at the border um, and, and putting them in, in the separate detention facilities. And the left is going berserk over this. Oh, my God, what kind of a country do we have? How could we let this happen? Um, the fact of the matter is that if you look, a little, if you look at the article further, you read, they, they always bury the, the lead in the last chapters. They're doing it because there's been an uptick in MS-12, whatever the gang is called, MI-15 people coming over the border with children and using the children as shields so they could get in. And then once they're here, we don't know what happens to those children. I mean, it's a humanitarian crisis, not to mention the fact that some of these quote unquote children are gang members. So, and, and, but, but then if you do a little outside research and you just Google it, it doesn't even take that much. You discover that the program was set up by Obama in 2013. And for good reason, he was addressing a humanitarian crisis. The children were coming over the border and they were either being sold into slavery or sex slaves, well, we don't know what was happening to them, or they were gang members. So he did set this up, and that's probably one of the few decent things he probably did. But the point is that Trump hasn't changed it. It's continuing. He might have made some comments about wanting to expand it because he wants to discourage illegal aliens. Fine. But they didn't. It's the same program. 
And the fact of the matter is that there's less of it now because there are less people crossing now. But the, but the way that this is fake news, this is what is meant by fake news. You know, yes, technically they have it right. They've said nothing untrue. Trump is doing this. Yeah. But they, took, they, they, they isolated completely out of context so that they can attack Trump and make this case. Well, when, when, you, when you will politicize and when you get massive support from your politicization of somebody calling an MS-13 member an animal and they are degraded for that, then mm. you know that there has been, that there has been a, an absolute turn in, 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 in fairness. They, the MS-13 gang members are absolute animals. They're worse than animals. They, they, treat, they treat human beings far worse than animals treat each other. So we know that. And, and, and like Sarah uh, uh, Huckabee Sanders said, she said that was a compliment to them. It should have been far worse. And yet you have the massive news saying that Trump has called all Hispanics. Oh, exactly. Well, it fits into this narrative that he's got something against um, non-white people, not to not putting aside the fact that Hispanics are essentially white. But that's beside the point. The point is that it's it's, it's, a group. Yeah. I mean, it's it's this group thing. And and it's it's it fits this narrative. And it's a complete lie. It's it's a vicious, ugly, divisive, non-instructive lie, entirely political. They've taken a situation and they've completely politicized it. And it's, uh, it's wrong. It's sad, actually. I mean, you know, the, the, the whole way they pull out the microscope on race. You know, do we have racial division in this country? Yes, we do. How do you deal with it, I think? I mean, you deal with it. I know this sounds hokey. Maybe it sounds a little Pollyanna-ish. But you try to deal with it with love. You try to go out. If you think that someone's racist or anti-Semitic, you make human contact with them. You get to know them. These people are ignorant if they are. I mean, they don't know anyone who's black or they don't know anyone who's a Jew or, or whatever. And if they get to know you and they see you and that you're a real person and that you've got, you know, human qualities, then that changes it. That's how you address that. Not put people under a microscope, not turn it into a political football so you can use it against your enemies. If someone says something that's mildly offensive, suddenly that person is destroyed. That's just using this as a way to enhance a very authoritarian agenda. That's tyranny in itself. And if, 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 I, if that is my purpose, if that is my purpose to pit different segments of our population against each other, one of the things I'm going to do, especially if I'm president or department or, or, or um, attorney general, is right. I am going to tell a minority group that another group hates them, that that when they when they have any problems with the law, they are being punished not because of any crime they might have committed, not because of any wrongdoing they might have done, but they are being punished, they are being stopped, they are being questioned simply because of the color of their skin. And they must remember that they are victims, that they mm -hmm. are hated, and that that anything they do to protect themselves is fine even pulling a gun on that person that has stopped them 
because of their victimhood. And so all you're doing is you're creating a class of people who are told by people they consider to be authoritarian figures that they're victims, that they must defend themselves, that to lie, to, to point out this victimhood is fine, that to do additional crimes to exasperate this victimhood is just fine. And when you do that, Chuck, when you have that authority, uh, you, when you're that authoritarian figure and you do it, you are the lowest of the low. There is not much you can do yeah, I mean, much it's, lower it, than that. You've, you've come, and plus, you've completely shunted your own, in a way, your own life and your own destiny over to this imaginary phantasmic hatred. Uh, I, I just recently interviewed Lloyd Marcus, who's a black conservative activist, and he, he made an interesting observation that made me think of this. He, he uh, when he was a young man, you know, preteen, his family moved to this tower in Baltimore that was predominantly black, and it was the people on welfare. And over the years, the place started to become very dilapidated. There was urine in the halls and trash everywhere and broken bottles and graffiti. And um, Lloyd asked people about this and how this is happening. And they go, oh, the white people, they're evil. They're responsible. They're, they're oppressive. And there was a lot of belief that it was white people's fault. So he said to them, he's like, really? Well, well when do they come in? I mean, do they come in at night? I mean, when are they doing this? You know, it's like, okay. I mean, it was like a revelation for him as a kid. But 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 they believe it, and and they've been told this now for many 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 years, and they're also told, and this to me is is absolutely one of the saddest things in the world. They are told that you minority or you you people who are victims, you're not capable of competing with these other people. You are inferior to them. Therefore, you need special privileges and you need special help. Now, Chuck, if I am truly, if I am truly. Uh, concerned about people becoming a part of our society and growing, I'm going to tell them and I'm going to do everything I can to convince them that they are on an equal basis, that they can compete, that they do have the ability scholastically um, uh, to, to complete, to compete with anybody and that they can go in and, and even, even business wise, they can compete. And that if my goal though, if my ultimate goal, is to bring about a tyrannical government, if that's my ultimate goal, then what I have to do is I have to create chaos. I have to create chaos so I can come in and be the savior and Im impose certain, um, a certain uh, restrictions on freedoms and liberty. And the more I can impose restrictions on freedom and liberty to protect you, the more control I have over you and ultimately, we are a Venezuela. And this is so. the goal. This is, folks, this is the goal of the Obamas. This is the goal of the Holders. This is the goal of the Jarrett's. This is the goal of the Axelrods. This is the goal of the Schumers. I can't say this is the goal of Maxine Waters or of Nancy Pelosi because I don't give them enough uh, credit. They don't have the they don't have the intellectual capacity to understand what it is they're saying, and so we have to we have to bypass them. But you 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 go and you understand how other tyrannies came about, and this is how they come about. This is what happens. 
I, the government, will take care of you. And, and I, will, I will victimize, I will demonize other people who, who are espousing um, freedoms. One of the main reasons the left hates Trump so much, and, and that, that hatred has grown, is he has come in and his secretary of the uh, education department is saying, hey, guys, we're going to turn, we're going to follow the Constitution, we're going to turn education back to the states and to the people. Mm -hmm. The EPA... His EPA director has said, "Oh, by the way, guys, the EPA is not an all no is not an uh, everything um, uh, department. We can no longer be the prosecutor or the investigator, the prosecutor and the judge. We must follow the Constitution." And we go and and with his with his Consumer Finance Protection Agency, which oh, was boy. becoming a tyrannical agency, had no restrictions on it whatsoever, Chuck. None. There is nothing they could not do. They did not have to go to Congress. They did not have to report to Congress. Mm -hmm. And the Trump administration is saying, no, guys, we are a republic. And we will not allow an agency to, be, to, run, a, to run a drift like that. They must have some, some controls. And this is why the left hates him so much, because he's undoing all of those unconstitutional He's undoing, as uh, Steve Bannon once said, he says he's dismantling the administrative state. That is exactly why they hate him. He is undoing a century of gradual creeping socialism, a move toward an authoritarian modality where the citizen no longer has control over their life and over their destiny. Everything is controlled by this class of experts who make fat profits while they do it, but who think they're smarter than you, who think they know better than you, and who are implementing this idea that uh, rights come from the state and that the state is granting you privileges. It's the old royal, you know, divine right of kings, just remarketed. You know, this is what we got rid of. Um, this is why we threw out King George III. I mean, this is, uh, you know, they, they seek to return to that, except they want to rebrand it in modern-sounding, you know, uh, tones. Instead of wearing ermine and pearls, they look like Hillary Clinton in a pantsuit, you know, right. or a Mao right. outfit, I guess, or whatever. Well, it, 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 so it, we're, we're reaching toward the end, so I want yeah. to, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about California politics since you're out okay. there in California, and California just to me it looks like they have almost fallen off the left wing cliff lately. I understand that people are leaving, people are taking their money out. They're moving to places like Idaho, Montana. Um, you've got the sanctuary state thing going with Jerry Brown. You've got um, just um, a anti-conservative attitude and an overwhelming number of, of uh, people who are liberal left Democrats. Um, What's going on there? Is there any possibility that there might be some kind of a surprise sea change in the air? There, there's some hope. There is some hope. And, and we see that hope in two areas. One of those areas, I, I want to make kind of a, a snide comment here, if I may. Um, one of the places we're not seeing Californians go anymore, and that's to Seattle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that because they're they're right on the same track. But in Even California, Amazon and, and Starbucks are upset with them. 
I know. And and the interesting thing is Amazon is running a, a, a homeless place right on their own campus that is far more efficient than anything the state is doing. But 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 coming back to California, we are we made two huge mistakes. Well, <laughs> many mistakes, but two two really wow. huge mistakes. And one was we bought into this idea that term limits were good, that term limits would be the 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 end all. That, that it would save us. And, and since, we've, since we've implemented term limits, our, our legislative body has become far, far more liberal, far more liberal than right. what it was even prior to term limits. And I'm telling the American people, don't buy into this idea of term limits because the Constitution gives us term limits. We just have to vote intelligently and we can limit any term uh, or the term of any congressman or any senator we wish. The other thing we did is we said, we're not going to pay attention to different ideologies anymore. The top two vote getters in the primary are going to win, are, are going to be on the ballot. And this has assured over the last several years, this has assured the Marxist Progressive Party in California that they will have the two top vote getters. Now, where do we see some changes coming? Where do we see some of the winds blowing? The immigration the illegal, the 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 attendant or attending to the needs of the illegal immigrants in the state of California, putting their needs and their demands over those of the citizens, is creating a backlash. We are tired of our of our um, uh, tuitions in our colleges skyrocketing while we're giving free tuition to these illegal to these illegal immigrants and you're starting to see rumble there you're starting to see some people coming along and saying we've got to change this the sanctuary city the sb uh, 54 that was passed by our state legislature that said california is a sanctuary state is bringing huge repercussions it, it because what they've said to us, what our legislature, what our, our legislative board, our elected officials have said to us is your safety is, is unimportant. Uh, and the Kate Steinle, uh, the Kate Steinle case, I think is, 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 is having severe ripples where, where all of a sudden the rights of this person who is a criminal. He is an illegal alien, and this young, beautiful girl out for a walk with her dad is dead. And the 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 people in our legislature are saying her rights do not matter. We American people are, or we Californians are saying, enough is enough. And I think we're seeing a backlash there. We're also seeing a backlash on the gas tax, and that could be a huge backlash because what we know is that we have been made so many promises by by the by the left in California that we're going to tax this and fix the roads. We're going to tax that and fix the roads. And it's never done. What happens to that money? It goes to support more illegal aliens. And finally, the people are saying, no, no, no. If we're going to pay this 12 cents a gallon tax on our gas, it must go fix our roads. We drive, we, we drive them every day. And we're not going to allow you to take that money anymore. That's gaining huge support. And it is being fought, being fought bitterly by the left because they see this as a real, real, real um, um, uh, groundswell so they can even aid the illegal aliens more. When you have, in, especially in Southern California, when you have your counties, with voter rolls that far surpass 
the number of, of known registered or, or people eligible to be registered to vote, you know that there are shenanigans being played, you know there are games being played, and you know that we are no longer a state run by citizens of California, but we are now truly a state run more by illegal aliens in the state of California than we are by citizens. And, and the repercussions, I think we're starting to feel, I'm hoping we start to feel some backlash, Chuck. Well, you know, Don, I want to have you back to go a little further into this issue of um, how the left explains why there's a virtue in not only opening the borders to illegal aliens, but then having the taxpayers finance them and give them money. And I also want to talk about voter fraud in California and as a microcosm for what's happening nationally and that whole phenomenon. But we, we kind of are toward the end. So talk, just mention for my listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can get your books, uh, any websites that you'd like to mention uh, or, or whatever you want to mention. The the easiest way to to find me is just to go on to any search engine and type in my name, Don, J-A-N-S. My website is mygrandchildrensamerica.com. I've written three books. I've written uh, My Grandchildren's America, Don, or My Grandchildren's America, and that just simply explains what Mark said should happen. And, and so you understand what this movement is. I wrote... Um, Goodbye Constitution, Freedom America, which is about an individual that understands, that grew to understand what was happening. And it's written more like a novel. And then my last book is The Road to Tyranny. And this is a must read for everybody, as you said. Um, uh, it's it's a read that that describes how, on what basis were we founded? We were founded on rule of law, limited government, divided government, sovereignty by the people, and how these are being thrown out through our so-called living constitution, and how these are all being thrown out, these, these, these very basic principles that, that all free societies must have, and no tyrannical society can have them. Um, so you can go to my website. They're on my website. They're also on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I also do speaking, Chuck, and I've been, uh, I have some very, very nice compliments on my speaking, and, and mostly people say, Don, I didn't, I didn't, I've never heard it play or phrased that way. I didn't realize that. I, I had a guy come up to me the other day and say, so the Constitution really was developed for the people and not for the government? Hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. That's one of the basic principles yeah. upon which we were founded. You're reaching people. That's very good, Don. And, and so, however, I, I'll come out any place in the country and speak. Uh, I will make arrangements with you. I, well, it, I don't charge big, hu or big, humongous speaking fees because the message is so critical. Don, I want to thank you, as always, for joining me. Great conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Don. Have a good day. I shall return tomorrow at 12 noon, hopefully. And I want to thank you all for watching this afternoon. Have a good day, everybody.